Hello, everybody. <laughs> Haven't heard that before. We're going to continue on in our study through the uh, Old Testament. And um, we, uh, we worked through it a chapter at a time. We did the New Testament. That, took, that was great. That took a little over five years. And we are working our way through the Old Testament now. We're actually uh, 82 some lessons into the Old Testament. It puts us into the book of Exodus. And, and um, we are in Exodus 33 today. Um, we have just spent some time looking through the... Uh, like Moses had been up on the mountain, uh, up on the mountain with God, and God had been telling him all about the tabernacle, what the tabernacle was going to look like, how they were to build the tabernacle, what the priests were going to be wearing, what was going to be going on. Um, he'd been giving him a lot of instructions for what was to take place when he went back down to the camp. But uh, sometime into that whole process, maybe 30 days in or plus, um, the people of Israel got tired of waiting. This is what we saw last week, um, the, the sort of rebellious chunk of those people. And they were there. We saw that throughout. They were always complaining. They thought that Moses had been gone long enough, and they were like, we don't even think he's coming back. And who does he think he is anyway? And so let's get a God that we can manage ourselves, and so they, uh, they decided to make a God out of some earrings and other things, and you remember the story, Aaron was on board and grabbed all their jewelry and fashioned the calf when Moses called him on it, Aaron said, yeah, I don't know how that happened, all of a sudden the people started throwing their earrings in and out popped this golden calf, um, so Aaron was trying to pass the buck, which is pretty normal, and um, we, so there was a big mess going on. And what had happened as we sort of got to the end of uh, chap chapter 32, uh, the Lord had basically um, said that he wasn't going to continue to go with them personally any longer um, because of this great sin that they had committed in so quickly turning from God when they said they would obey him over and over and over again. And sort of first opportunity, they had completely gone back to a... a an old way of doing things, something, you know, they had learned from the Egyptians, and even though they had had the joy of having God in their midst, and um, that He was with them, and, and all the things that they'd seen Him do over these last months, um, really within 30 days, they had like, okay, we've had enough of this, we're going in another direction. So, uh, so there were some consequences to this sin. Um, there had already been the Levites go through the crowd, remember, and pretty much... Uh, run through with a spear or a sword all of the people that had been involved in that big orgy that had taken place, um, which is what the, all that wording meant. That, so they, they got taken care of. A little plague had already been introduced on the people. We don't know the full effects of that. And that, um, and, and that God had, is now saying, I'm not going to go with you any longer personally uh, in the process. And what we'll see in this chapter is... Um, Repentance on the half of behalf of the people, they actually repent. And we're going to see the impact of Moses um, and God on, because they're like friends. And we're going to see God soften because of the people's repentance and because of his relationship with Moses. And he says, okay, I'll go with you. And, and I'll stay with you in the process. So that's what we're going to see in Exodus 33. So let's hop into verse 1. And we'll just read the whole thing, and then we'll talk about it for a few minutes on the other side. 23 verses in Exodus chapter 33, 
I'm reading out of the NIV. That's what's in the notes. Uh, some version of the NIV will pop up on the wall, but whatever translation you prefer, read that. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you, because you're a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Oreb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have, and have, found, you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Pretty interesting chapter uh, as we are kind of now dealing with this um, special relationship that God has with the people of Israel and how He's going to deal with them in the face of sort of their uh, choosing to really go in their own direction at almost every opportunity. So let's kind of see what's going on. The first six verses or so. God said there he, he wasn't going to go um, before Israel now as they march to the promised land. That uh, he, he reinstates it. He's going to keep his covenant promises that he had made to the patriarchs, um, which we read about, you know, to Abram, Isaac, and, and Jacob. But instead of going before Israel, as he had been going as the angel of the Lord, which was most likely a, a pre-incarnate um, Jesus, um, with them in that presence, he says he'll just appoint an, an angel 
to accompany them because they're a stiff-necked people. So he's sort of withdrawing his presence, and he's saying, well, I'll send an angel, and the angel will take care of things um, in the process. But, uh, which really, you know, if you think about it, most of us would be pretty happy with an angel. <laughs> but the people of Israel were like, no, man, you've been with us all this way. See, they've experienced the presence of God, and even though they've gone their own way, they, they understood that that's what was setting them apart as a nation, that, that, that the whole idea of, you know, the tabernacle was going to be the presence of God would dwell with the people of Israel. And so, um, so they're not satisfied, which is a good thing. They're like, oh, no, God, we really, we want you, which is what it ultimately should be. We want you in this process. And so they respond by not putting on their ornaments or by taking off their ornaments, which means as part of their mourning and their repentance, they're not going to wear their jewelry and stuff. Now remember, their jewelry was part of the problem in the last thing because they gave it up to, um, to make an idol. Now, you know, the thing is, uh, he's, he's letting them see the connection. They're just not going to wear it at all and, and, um, for this time to demonstrate that they, they mean it, that they get what they've done, and they... Uh, they don't want to go that way. They want God to be their God. They want God to be with them. They want God to go with them as he's been going all this way. And even though there's a group in there that's always complaining, the people want the presence of God. So, so they have that issue that starts happening there in the process in those first few verses. And then another problem, another thing has happened now is that the, the tent of meeting is now being set up outside the camp. So when God wants to, when Moses wants to meet with God and vice versa, it's happening outside the camp. Now this tent of meeting is not the tabernacle that's coming. Remember we got all the instructions for that. But this was a tent where God and Moses would meet. And um, they would uh, hang out there and whatever that looks like at that point in time in their relationship was a special tent that Moses used when he wanted to consult with God. And God graciously met with, with Moses there and they would talk. And it says they would talk the way friends talk. Um, and, and so the, the, the pillar, the cloudy pillar that led the nation on their journey would hover at the tent door, and the people would know that Moses and the Lord were in conference. So they would go and talk, and the people would know that was happening. And, and, um, and so that's sort of a... So, so the presence of God is, is being... It's is not the way it was previously. It's a consequence of what's happened. And so, you know, there was consequence to this sin that they were experiencing in, in the whole process. So now what happens is that Moses goes back to the mountain for another 40-day stretch to hang out with God. And um, during that 40-day period, Moses is, is pleading for the people of Israel with God in this whole process. And he's going to draw on this relationship that he has with God. So in verses 12 through 17... Basically, what, what's happening there is Moses is reminding the Lord of his promise to accompany the people on their journey. Uh, in fact, you know, that was the promise they had um, um, that, that um, his victorious presence would be with him. They sang a whole song about it right after the parting of the Red Sea back in Exodus 15. So Moses is saying, you remember, you told us this is what you were going to do. And, and um, so here's what happens. That's a pretty interesting thing. So Moses is basing his appeal on the favor of God, or the better 
word we would understand it as on the grace of God. Because he knew, because Moses knew God very well, that the Lord was merciful and gracious. He also knew that the people were guilty. And if God gave them what they deserved, they would have been destroyed. So, but that's, <laughs> and the connection is this. All of us are guilty. Because all of us have been just like the people of Israel. We've all sinned, and we've gone and done our own thing. And, and apart from the grace and mercy of God, all of us deserve death. But because of God's grace, He makes a way for us. And He's going to make a way for these people too. So, so all of this is the idea of being set into play. Back from Genesis 3.15 and the result of the fall, this, this redemption that's coming, and it's going to be happening, and, we're, and, and so we understand, you know, God's grace, um, his, his unmerited favor, that, that we're not getting what we deserve. We're, we're getting something that we don't deserve, and it's far better than what we do deserve. And so, um, so the, the people of Israel and Moses, you know, because Moses was God's servant, you know, they, he, he appealed to him. They didn't want just an angel to accompany them because there was nothing, you know, that it was nothing compared to the, the presence of God being with them and that's what Moses requested. And, and God says, based on His grace and their relationship, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to go with you um, the way I said I would in the beginning. So the people's repentance had something to do with that, and um, Moses' appeal based on his relationship with God. And then he asked for something else. Um, he wanted to see God's glory. Kind of interesting. Now, they've been relating in some way in the tent, uh, and so they've had some, some you know, they've been talking like friends, but uh, Moses was saying, you know, God, I want to see your glory. And, and so I like what God says. He says, listen, I will pause, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. Can you even imagine that? All of God's goodness. You remember when on Sunday I was saying that God is so full of love and truth and beauty and perfection that it overflows. And he's saying, I'm going I'm to pass by with all my goodness so that, so that you will see my glory. And so, you know, it's his whole character, his whole nature. And, and um, he's going to pass by Moses this way. And there's another place in the Old Testament where we see something very similar. And I don't know if you know the encounter, but it's, uh, it's something that God does with Elijah uh, in 1 Kings 19. 11, and the Lord passes by Elijah, and it's very possible that the same cleft of the, the rock or cave that he does that with Elijah is where Moses is right now. Very possible that these guys were in the same place, and God passes by them in the same way. It's, uh, it's his way of, you know, uh, connecting with them again and keeping them on the right direction and, and letting them know his, his care for them. And so... Um, and if you, it, uh, it's 1 Kings 19.11. I like the verse, so I got it here. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. The Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after that, there was a fire. But then he, he experiences, Elijah does, the presence of God. And that's what Moses experiences. Moses just stand out on a rock, and the glory is going to pass by. Uh, and, and Moses would be hid in the cleft in the rock and covered by the Lord's hand. And then the hand of God would be removed so that Moses could see um, God's back. 
Now, here's another thing. When you start seeing descriptions of God, like hand and back and fingers and things that we've seen in the Old Testament, they have a special name. I wrote it down. Um, those are anthropomorphisms. Anthropomorphisms. Anybody remember that word? It's a description of the reality of God in terms of analogies understandable to people. So um, Moses is writing in ways that people will understand, but, but it, it, it doesn't, we don't really know about God's... Other than we're created in His image, we, we don't really know how, what His hands are like and His back is like and His... We don't know. Um, so... Um, but when you see those descriptions of God, they're using some terms so we can put some sort of sense to it or else we wouldn't have a clue of what was going on. And so when you read about the hand of God, it's, a, it's so that we sort of get the picture of what's happening without really understanding completely what that looks like because we don't have a... We know that we're created in His image. Male and female, we're created in His image. That's, so now that's even... That's interesting, right? Um, somehow we're all in His image created, and it's an interesting picture. But, um, but God would honor Moses' request and pass by him, cover him so he, he couldn't see his face, because that wouldn't have been good for Moses, and then he would pass by. Um, so it's kind of an interesting process. Now, earlier in that chapter, if you were listening to me, it said that Moses and uh, God would meet in that tent of meeting and speak face to face. Did you hear me read that? And, like, and then I just said, but you can't see his face. And you're like, what's going on? <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> um, sometimes, so, so that was kind of the standard. If you see, you're not going to see God and live. But there's a few exceptions in the whole process because there are these encounters or experiences, they call them theophanies, where it's, it's either pre, pre-incarnate Jesus or some sort of manifestation of God that there's a few people that see that and survive. Um, you know, Abraham saw some sort of that in, when he was met in, uh, in the, God sort of appeared in three different guys. Um, in, in, uh, and then there's other occurrences where that happens. So when Moses would meet with him face to face in the tent, I, because of the later part of the chapter, I don't think it meant that he could see him, but he experienced him the way that friends talk. So that was Moses' relationship with God. It was pretty cool. Um, that they had that kind of relationship. But now what's cool is you can have that kind of relationship with God too because of what Christ has done. We have the same sort of access. So we, uh, I hope when you talk to God, you talk to Him like a friend because um, we're friends. I hope that you, you know, that, that's how I try and sort of guide my discussion with Him is He and I are friends. Not be, and it's because, of, you know, He wants to be my friend I'm, and I'm, I'm extremely honored because he's a way better friend than me. And, uh, <laughs> and I could never earn, I could never be good enough to be his friend, but he took care of all that. And so, you know, when I talk to God, I, I think there's something about thinking God that way that, and it doesn't mean that I don't revere him, because I certainly do. Uh, but he knows me, and he cares about me, and he loves me, and he's for me, and he's with me, and it... Um, he, he's so full of grace and mercy that it's not based on my having everything right to go and talk to him, which means I can go and talk to him no matter what, even in those times when I'm falling far short of where I'd like to be or I'm grumpy or nobody here ever gets grumpy, right? Anybody here ever wake up grumpy? Let him sleep. There you go. Good answer. 
Uh, that's an old joke, but a good joke. Um, so, you know, reading all this, I, I hope what you understand is that God's favor is so amazing. God's grace is so amazing for us. God's love for us is so amazing. And, and that we have access to the presence of God. Something that was, you know, this was their big concern. God's not going to be with us anymore. But because of what Christ has done, we have this access. And I think sometimes we, we don't sort of jump into it and, and know Him as your friend. And someone that you talk to, I mean, you, I, I try and talk to Him like I would all of my friends. You know, whatever that looks like. That's kind of how I, I, I get with him. And, and uh, that lets me talk about everything, which I think is important. So, you know, I, I get a big, that, that really speaks to me out of this whole thing about God's response to Moses as a friend. And obviously the importance of repentance that the people got a hold of what they'd done. And, and they, 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 you know, they were sincerely repentant. And um, that, uh, that God was going to go with them and fulfill the promises that he'd made. So I like that. So think about that. And, and in your relationship with God, think of, think of him, you know, as, as, you know, we're friends, that, that he's made that possible by what he's done. And that's a, it's an amazing picture of the grace of God on our behalf. And that's enough for that chapter. Uh, and good enough for tonight, I think. We'll, we'll pick up some more next week. Um, so if you're watching my video, thanks for watching. We appreciate you doing that. And hope you can visit us when you come next time. But that's where we're going to end it tonight.